thank you for joining me today on Hope for Heroes Texas. This is Brad Cornell, where we serve those who serve us as they carry the weight of the badge. It's gonna be a long one, another graveyard shift. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, Brad Cornell here, Hope for Heroes. Here we go again with the Weight of the Badge podcast. And like always, my gosh, we've got some superheroes on. You know, we're so blessed. I want to thank you, George, for letting me use your music. And uh, last night, there was an event that you raised $2 million for our heroes, our military warrior heroes. And what a blessing you are. It's just amazing. So, But we're excited about today, and I have a guest on. You know, it's amazing, these different, uh, the officers that we have and the first responders, some, you know, a lot of people retire and just go relax and take it easy. But you know, it's so amazing how so many of our officers don't do that. They get into a chaplain, they go into security, they do so many more things because they are called to do what they do. And here at the Weight of the Badge podcast, I'm so blessed to have different officers on to do different things. And uh, if you go to HopeForHeroesTX.org, you're not going to want to miss one of our greetings where we bring in the uh, officers into Bernie, Texas, give them a great big, incredible welcome, put them at the Bevy Hotel, give them a gift card to spend in town because they need to get away, folks. They're putting their life on the line for us. So uh, I want you to remember that. And every day you see an officer, you need to tell him thank you. Of course, same with our military. You see that guy's got a hat on that says he's in the military. You need to say thank you for your service. But we sure thank our first responders. And today I'm blessed to have a, uh, he's not, he's retired, but He's got the horsepower up here in Bernie, Texas. And uh, he, 30 years, he was in Northern California. He retired and he and his beautiful wife moved up here to Bernie, Texas. And he is a chaplain now for the Kendall County Sheriff's Department. And I just want to welcome to the program today, Officer, Chaplain, Awesome Man of God, Todd Hurst. How are you, sir? I'm doing quite well and thank you very much. And I really want to thank you for everything you do. This world has gone haywire, especially towards police officers, and this county loves their cops, and a lot of that ha- and it, it has a lot of it has to do with you. Oh, well, so thank, thank you. you for everything you do because I know it's needed. Yeah, it is. Well, thank you so much, Todd. But it's all about you guys too. I mean, you're the ones that put your life online, and we just want I want the civilians like me just to recognize how incredible you guys are. So, how did you start? What made you want to be a cop first? Uh, probably that old adage that I wanted to do something exciting. I wanted to help people, and I just didn't want to sit behind a desk uh, worrying about getting my tie caught in the uh, the drawer. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, to help people. And that's really the thing it is, because it's in your DNA if you're going to do this. And you like the excitement, and you want to be at the front of the excitement. Yeah. Amen. So you, you started in California, you were Northern California, San Jose area. Yeah. San Francisco Bay area. Yes. Okay. Yes. Gosh, have you seen that place change in 30 years? That's why I'm not there anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's sad to say I'm embarrassed what California's turned into. Yeah. Um, and you know, I love my state, but it's not the same state it used to be. Yeah, I still have family out there, and I'm from there also, born in Modesto, California. There you go. No Modesto well. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, hey, you moved up here to, well, what, what did you do? I mean, there's so many, you know, I don't think people realize, you guys, you know, we see a detective, or we see a hostage negotiator, or we see a uh, someone who handled organized crime, or a pornography, and you guys are doing all these things. I don't think people really realize what all you do do, because you start, you've done it all. Pretty so, much so. The only thing I didn't do was ride a motorcycle to write tickets because I did not like writing tickets. Plus, I wanted a car around me. But I started my career in 1985, uh, worked patrol, uh, then uh, became a tactical firearms instructor for 27 years. 
end up uh, getting on the host negotiation team. And then I started running that uh, lead, in the lead negotiator as well as I ran the team, um, worked undercover narcotics, worked homicide, uh, trained people how to be a police officer. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I wore all sorts of different hats. And when I retired in 2015, you do miss it. I mean, it's still in your blood. You can only play golf and fish for so long and, you know, so many honeydews for your wife <laughs> yeah. that you got to do something. So I end up uh, volunteering for a lot of different organizations because I have the time and I still have the heart. Yeah. You, well, you definitely have the heart. That's for sure. I mean, you can tell that when they meet you that uh, you're the guy they want to talk to. And I know you do a lot. For a lot of people, what, oh, what part you. of the, um, which one did you like best? Did you have one you liked more than anything else? Um, I also worked at the schools. I really enjoyed that because you do have an impact on these kids' lives. Um, working undercover narcotics was fantastic because it was like acting. I would never do any of that type of stuff. And anytime you do undercover operations, you're playing a different part. Yeah. So that was fun. And getting those guys off the streets got to be a great feeling. Oh, yeah. I, well, that's the thing. I mean, if you don't like taking people to jail, you shouldn't be a police officer because that's, <laughs> that's part of the job um, and protecting people, you yeah. know, because that's what you are. The ultimate job is to protect life. Yes, that's exactly right. And and like you said, when you, you know, I'm running out, you guys are running in. Regular civilians, regular people, they don't realize what that means. I mean, you know, someone's in a building shooting and I'm running out and you guys are running past me and running in. That takes a special kind of person it does which i mean we you, you fall back on your training and our yeah. training was so good that you just didn't think about it and that's one thing that i think 9-11 really showed to anybody is look at all the people running out who are the ones running in yeah fire police going in and it ultimately cost their lives for doing their job but they wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, that's what you guys do. Well, you moved here to Texas, and you know, I don't know if we really, if we all realize, don't realize probably just what being a chaplain for the police department and first responders means. Because with all the suicides, with all the people getting shot, they said over 50 people so far this year. You know, just think about this, ladies and gentlemen. You know, over 50 cops have been killed just as far as killed this year in the United States, 50. Can you imagine going to work? Say you're a plumber and they news this morning said, Hey, 50 plumbers have been killed so far this year. You know, when you go to work, you're kind of like, wait a second. Well, that's what's happened in our country. And they're still talking about defunding the police and coming down on the police. And they're always doing something wrong. And it's like, we've got to turn this thing around. And so you, you as a chaplain, it's a huge role that when something happens, they, they, they call you. So well, what's that like? Well, we have a, our system is set up like the system we had where I was. I was kind of the liaison for our chaplain. So, and that's how when I met uh, the sheriff here, that's how that conversation went. And it's a, and so we're doing pretty much the same thing we did there here in Kendall County. It's a two prong system that we're a chaplain for all the employees of the sheriff's department from the sworn to non-sworn, and we're just there in case they need to talk to somebody. Uh, they need the vent. It's 100% confidential if they want to do that, but for that to work, you have to build relationships. So it starts with relationships. So we're out there, we ride with them, we talk with them, we go to lunch with them, we talk to the groups, but they have to see you. So we have 24-hour access to the sheriff's department as well as to the jail. Um, so they can get to know us because before that system will work, a relationship has to be established. Yeah. Uh, then the second aspect of it is a community chaplain. 
So when the deputies get called out to a horrific scene and there could be major injuries or a death, so they can do their job, they call us out. So then we deal with the families and help them get uh, settled down and go through what they need to do. So the, you know, the deputies and cops and detectives can do their job. Wow. I didn't realize you did. I guess that's right. If something happens, there's a shooting at the house and they're the family's sitting there, doesn't know what to do. And they're out of control. And you go in and just try to mend that situation also. Yeah. And the first thing I was, I was taught by another uh, chaplain back in uh, who trains chaplains nationwide. He said, you know, you can be right up front with them, tell them there's not one word you're going to say at this moment that's going to take away the pain. Yes. You're just there to help work through it and get them through this one little aspect of this crisis so they can continue on. Yeah. Is that, how fulfilling is that for you? It's got to be amazing. It's, it's very fulfilling. I mean, because again, you get into law enforcement because you do want to help people. It's in the DNA. Well, this is just another way to help people. Yeah. Um, because there are a lot of hurting people out there. There's a lot of things happening and people are in crisis mode. Even though we're called a chaplain, we're not there to prosthesize. We're not going to share the gospel unless they want that. Uh, because I could, you know, just as police officers, you can't choose your victims. Yeah. You know, the victims choose us mm -hmm. and we're going to treat everybody the exact same. So if I'm talking to a Muslim, they're not going to want me to talk about Jesus. I'm just there to help them get through that crisis. Now, if people want to talk about, you know, if they do have a religious background, then we'll go into it. If they want to talk theology, we'll do that. But the purpose of is just to help calm that situation down at that moment. Lord knows it ain't no easy task keeping us safe under the weight of the bag. Folks, if you haven't been to a Hope for Heroes greeting, you're probably wondering what it's all about. What we do is get an officer and their family from around the state of Texas. They come into town. They have a free room here at the Bevy Hotel. They know they're getting that, and they're going to get a gift card for the town. They pull in, but they have no idea when they pull up to the front lobby that inside that lobby is a ton of people just waiting for them. The reason is, is we care so much about what our heroes do and how special they are that when they walk in that lobby, oh my word, they get blasted with how much we love them, how special they are. And of course, the people that are showing up, they show up at 930 in the morning, get some breakfast tacos and some coffee and just fellowship until the officers get there. And it's an experience that you're not going to want to miss. Let's get back to our hero carrying the weight of the badge. Kids praying by his bed. He said, I'm gonna be oh, Do you have people, Keats, that stay up with you? Uh, like, it's over, but, but you've been such a blessing to them that they still you still are in contact with them? Do you have a lot of people like that? Or it's kind of like you go in, you fix the situation, and life moves on? Since none of us are clinicians... We're like the ER room. We put yeah. Band-Aids on it. We stop that immediate um, crisis that they're going through and then get them set up with clinicians if they need a clinician or somebody further. Many times it's just other family members. We'll wait there until other family members can get there to them because they're the one that's going to give them the most comfort at that moment sure. anyway. Yeah. Um, but we might have to wait because, as you all know, Texas is very big, and you can be on one part of Texas, and it could take eight hours <laughs> yeah, to get exactly here. Right. And you're only halfway through. Yeah, so how many chaplains do we have here in Kendall County? There's three of us now. Three of you? Yes. Okay. 
It was just two, you and Walt. And yeah, just one. Walt and I. Then we had. Then there's no, a new one, uh, Colton Gray or Carlton Gray. Uh, he's also reserved for us. Um, okay. The sheriff really liked what the way he says it is. He goes, "I got both coasts covered, and they met in the middle because I was a California cop, and he was a uh, uh, Florida police officer." Okay. So. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. Well, I tell you, we got a great sheriff here, too. Al Oxier and even Steve Perez, of course, P- uh, PD and sheriff. We're blessed in this county because it is an amazing place to oh, live. Oh, it is. And one job. thing I tell the officers that I talk with here is you don't realize how good you have it here. Um, I talk to cops all over the nation, and the biggest complaint is their public, the DA's office, their administration, and some of them half their family that the crisis they're going through. But here with your organization, the sheriff, um, when we moved here 2015, that's when the sheriff put in God we trust on the vehicles. Mm. And that was on the news. That was a big news thing. <laughs> yeah. I came from a state that is, if a police officer mentions God in the same sentence in his uniform, he can get in trouble. So seeing that, I wanted to meet the man. So yeah. that's when I first met the man after he did that. I just wanted to tell him thank you. Yeah. You know, from a cop, that is unbelievable. Good job for doing that. Well, I tell you, Al Oxier and Steve Perez have been just blessings to hope for heroes. I mean, they show up on Saturdays. They send the, their officers over. If they're not worth it, they don't have to be pulled over. They tell me, get over to the Bevy Hotel for 45 <laughs> minutes. So that's really good. Well, I know a big part of your job, Todd, is that, you know, when there's there's so many suicides happening now in in um, the law enforcement, which is just scary. I mean, when there's more suicides than there are actual deaths from shootings, we got a problem. Yes. So I know you've got to deal with that. And I'm interested in just, you know, so people know, can kind of have an idea of maybe some of the um, signs, let's just say, if there's some signs, and then there's an 800 number they can call if they need help. So can you give me some information on that? Well, first of all, um, I we've been very blessed here in Kendall County that I have not had to face that here. However, I work for a national and international organization called Copline. I'm a volunteer for them. It's a crisis hotline for law enforcement and their families. So anybody connected to uh, law enforcement, they can call the line. It's 100% confidential. That is the key right there. As police officers, we don't trust anybody. We have to, you know, Trust but verify everything. Um, many agencies have psych emergency services available to the officers, counseling available to the officers, but they have to go up and admit they have a problem. Once yeah. they do that, their gun's taken away from them. They have no anonymity, and they're starting from fresh if they can get over that. Yeah. And a lot of law enforcement uh, agencies don't like hearing this, but there's no such thing as a secret in a police department. Everybody knows everybody's business. Yeah. Well, cop line, 100% confidential. Well, that's exciting. I want to make sure we put the, just 1-800-COP-LINE. 1-800-COP-LINE. And please just go to our website, Copline. Yeah. Don't trust me what I'm saying. Look up Copline. So it's copline.com? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a big deal. You're absolutely right. Because I get a lot of calls from cops and, and wives <laughs> just because I'm hope for heroes, but they know I'm just a civilian and I'm going to be not going to say anything, but I just... They want to vent. They want to talk. That's exactly what it is. They want to vent. And the governor did a great thing. Uh, September 1 of 2021, uh, he signed into law peer counseling for Texas. And uh, I actually went to one of those trainings. It was a 24-hour training, good training, um, for the officers to get the number to call them, they need 
to go onto their TCOL account, then they get a number. When they call in to the hotline, they use that number only. So there's the confidentiality aspect of it. And then it will be anywhere between two to four hours. It might wait for them to get a call back from an active Texas police officer. Cop line, it's all retired cops. Okay. Um, That's great. So that's the good thing about that because we don't have to disclose things like sometimes police officers do. Yeah. Um, But everyone, you know, they're all trying. They recognize there is an issue. But to me, the most important aspect of it is confidentiality. Um, When I take a call from cop line, um, first five minutes, they, it's usually them trying to really determine if I'm really a cop because I don't give them a well, lot that's of true. information. Yeah, because I guess they don't know if it's a cop yeah, or not. But they don't, you know, they don't have to give me their real name. If they want to give me their real name in the area that they're from, then I can offer counseling for them. Because again, we're not clinicians, yeah. but we have counseling services throughout the United States that we have vetted that are good for law enforcement, yeah. uh, but they have to give that up. So what about a cop's wife? Can they call? Yes. Okay. Any, anybody associated with the police, police. officer. Okay. My uncle's a police officer. We'll talk to you. Yeah. Just an association. You know, friend, a little different. But if someone calls in crisis that doesn't meet our criteria, we're not going to just hang up on them. We're going to help them through that and then direct them, you know, the proper line they should go to. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Gosh, darn, that's exciting because we do, we need some, they need to go somewhere. They got, they got to talk to somebody. And that's just really 1-800-COP line. I wish I knew that before. I don't know why I haven't known that before. Why has any of you guys told me that out there? It, anyway. It's hard to get the word out. <laughs> it is hard to get know? the word out. But um, what you guys do, you're the, the sheriffs and the police and all our first responders, you know, and it's really funny. I, I've learned that um, the average person like me, let's just say, we might see maybe two or three tragic things in our life if our dad passed away in front of us or somebody got killed or whatever. But a cop sees four to 500 of those in his lifetime. So that's why this, this, um, what do you guys see is so traumatic. Sometimes you, you put in that one compartment in your brain that's going to come out sooner or later and it affects your relationships, it affects with your wife and with your family. And, yes. you know, you guys kind of, it's not like I learned that here before, not too long ago, one of the officers told me, it's not like you get home from a horrific day of a tragic, you know, death on the highway or someone shoots themselves or something. And you, when you shut the trunk of your car, that's it. You shut it and it's in there. No, it stays with you. And so I'm really excited about the cop line. I'm really excited about what you do as a chaplain because it's so important to get people to talk. Yeah, because, I mean, what you're saying is absolutely right. Um, we have to learn how to depart, you know, de- departmentalize things when we're dealing at those scenes. Because if we break down at the scene, we're not doing anybody any good. Yeah, exactly. You know, we've had kids in our arms die. We've had, you know— young people die in our arms. We've had adults and now we're dealing with the family. If they see us respond the way we really want to respond, we can't do our job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can't investigate. And you learn to kind of push it down. That is not healthy. Yeah. Um, but I was right. very blessed that had a wife that, um, same wife. So I'm anomaly there Yeah, uh, over th- you know, 34 years um, that knew that when I got home, she would always wait up for me no matter what shift I was working. And if I wanted to talk, she was there. If I didn't want to talk, she knew that when I was ready to talk, I would talk. Yeah. And also my faith in Christ. There you go. And 
those are the two most important aspect in my opinion yeah to keep saying well and that's true communication is such a big deal in marriage you know we're going to be having a marriage conference in february actually and that's what it's all about is you know it's, it's um survive it's called surviving a law enforcement marriage yeah doesn't mean you have to have a bad marriage it's just how do you support you know how do you su- make it to where you support each other but she can't hear some of the stuff that you guys go through and that communication becomes, I've learned by talking with so many of you officers, a lot of times, especially if you're working a team where you're, there's two of you together, he you don't share it with your wife, but you share it with your partner. Pretty soon your partner becomes closer to you than your wife is. Yeah, and that's that, never that, good. That can happen. And that is very <laughs> dangerous. And anybody that marries a cop has a cop sense of humor. Yeah. And our sense of humor is very dark. And the reason it's dark is that's how we release stress. Yeah. You know, if we didn't laugh at, 90% of the stuff we saw at, we couldn't do our job again. Yeah. Um, and I've always told young people, young police officers, especially you got to know your audience. Mm-hmm. Make, you know, if you're cracking a joke, you that's, can't be yeah. doing it at the scene if yeah. the family's there. That's right. You know, you um, know? cause that's going to get you in trouble. We understand why you did it, yeah. but that's not. Well, your training is so incredible. I don't think, you know, I ride with you guys. I ride with cops. I mean, here in Kendall County. Sure. And, uh, I just sat there and watched what you have to do, what you what they deal with every every time they pull somebody over. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And I I listen. I told them last time when I was riding with one, I said, you know, I would be a terrible cop. What I do is this: first, I just pull you over and tase you, and now we'll start talking about what's going on because <laughs> you can't treat people like that. No, somebody pulls you over. Why don't you just okay, officer? Obviously, he didn't pull you over because you didn't do anything. And if he didn't do anything, he's going to listen to you and say, all right, well, I'm just going to give you a warning or maybe your taillight's out. But instead, I've listened to these people. You walk up to the window. They start screaming at him. And I'm like, wow, now, was that stupid? You know, I mean, sometimes, and I know we see great people in their worst time, you know, when you're, what you guys yeah. are dealing with, you know, because, but I can sure see why you don't trust civilians either. I mean, people sit there and say, why couldn't you just listen to me, officer? Well, we don't trust you because you're who we deal with every day. Yeah. I don't think we're just like, you know, it's common sense. Intelligence has nothing to do with common sense. And so I'm a firm believer of that. But I'll tell you what, it's just, uh, it's amazing what you guys do. And I want to tell you what, you know, Todd, you're a huge asset and a blessing to this community. Everybody talks about just your heart the size of Texas, even though you're in California for so long. <laughs> you had a Texas heart. And uh, I think there's a difference here in Texas, the Southern hospitality and the... Oh, there is. No, there is. Um, especially even here in the Hill. And that's why I love the Hill Country here. Yeah. And again... You don't realize what you are doing for law enforcement out there because this is a bad time to be a cop um, when everybody's against them, you know, and they still have to do their job. And you're, you know, you're talking about defunding. Okay. We saw how defundings work. You know, crime has gone off the charts in all these places. And they're realizing maybe that wasn't the, the smart thing to do. But then all the politicians that did do that are hiring the cops for security for their stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, <laughs> really? Yeah, it's nuts. Isn't it? Why don't you just have the counselor come and take care of you guys that you're trying to get other people to do? Yep. And it's just going to get people killed. Oh, I mean, that's you know, the training. Yeah. I just, I wish that, that people would understand all the training you guys go through. It isn't just, here's your job, jump in the car and take off. I mean, the way you, not only the way you negotiate with people, you know, the hostage negotiators, but I mean, just the guy out there pulling people over, you know, they've got to have this, this reaction to how, how everybody's acting towards them and they know how to deflate. I watch husbands scream at their wives and the case shows up and 
Pretty soon he de-escalates and he's trying to keep every. They don't just come into a billy club and start beating everybody. No, no, you know, it's just ridiculous. So, yeah. Well, I just want to thank you for carrying the weight of the badge. Also, as you even carry sometimes even heavier when they call you to the scene. That's heavy duty to have the people that you've got to deal with to just comfort them and get them back on track. And you have the wisdom to say the right things and discernment. Of course, that's what the Lord gives you. That's why you do what he you does, do. Yes. And so I just want to thank you, Todd, so much for coming on the Hope for Heroes Way to the Badge podcast today. And we'd see you around town a lot. And I want to thank you so much for being the blessing that you are. My pleasure. And, uh, thank you're you welcome here much. anytime. We'll keep talking. And yeah. uh, we're There's a lot here. of things we can talk about. <laughs> yeah, I know there is. <laughs> well, I sure want to thank you and we'll see you again. All right. Thank you. Hey, so glad you joined me today. Now, you're going to want to follow us because we've got some upcoming episodes that you're not going to want to miss. See you then. Of the bad.